Let out the beast. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the Sam Mays Podcast. I want to take a quick second and thank some of our sponsors. A big thank you to our title sponsor, Nature's Key. If you haven't tried out their CBD products, do it today. I start every morning with the Oklahoma Sunrise Gummies, and they are a total game changer. Use the code Mays2022 for 20% off your order at keytonaturesblessings.com. Also, thanks to our supporting sponsors, Jackson's of Kingfisher, for getting us around in that incredible trail boss we're driving. I've honestly never received so many compliments on a vehicle. Go see Casey and the Jacksons out in Kingfisher for the best car buying experience ever. Also, thank you to Totally Tickets. If you need tickets to anything from concert to sporting events, Totally Tickets will get you taken care of. And last but not least, we want to thank Local Leaf RX, one of our new sponsors here on the Sam Mays Podcast. They're sponsoring everything spring game related. Local Leaf RX is the best kept secret in Oklahoma. They are absolutely taking care of their patients with incredible daily deals, free food every Friday, and raffles you don't want to miss. Swing by and enter your chance to win a, a Canapalooza tickets and a festival pack for two. I'll be out at Canapalooza and would love to see you there. Local Leaf RX in Tecumseh, small town store with Big City Cannabis. We're so grateful for our listeners. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, we can't get enough of those. Those help us out. So thank you so much for doing so. We really appreciate you here on the Sam Mays Podcast. Welcome. I'm Sam Mays. And today in the Sam Mays Podcast, live from Trey's Bar and Grill here in Tulsa, we have uh, the famous Macy Turley. How are you? I'm great. And uh, Travis Davidson. He's all right, too. Yeah. You know, just, just, <laughs> just holding it down over here. Macy is a former OU softball player, national title winner back in the early 2000s. Uh, Travis has become famous and infamous here on OU Twitter Spaces uh, over the last several months, really since Lincoln left. And yeah. uh, you kind of picked up the torch for OU fans on social media across the board and it's been kind of a wild ride ever since. I can't believe it was like five months from that day, right, when yeah. uh, everything changed out with the OU football program. So uh, we're going to talk quite a bit about that, what's going on with the big spring game weekend. We've got Baker Mayfield statue dedication, which is going to be a lot of fun. But I wanted to get started with OU softball this weekend. The Sooners, uh, it was in Austin, correct? It was. Yeah, they go down to Austin. They win the first two games. Uh, bats were cold even then. And then game three rolls around, and the Sooners fall to a Texas Longhorn team who celebrated like they had just won the Powerball. And I had to laugh because it's like, I know I know from experience what it was like competing against Oklahoma on the football field in the early 2000s and you preparing for that game and, and how it felt in practice and everything just meant more. Every snap, every drill, every practice, like it was such a big deal for us to put our best foot forward playing the Sooners because there was like nine NFL players in that defense, and Jason White was the Heisman Trophy winner, and it was just star after star after star. That's how every softball team in the country feels when they play the Sooners, bottom line. And so when that game ended and Texas won, I'm sure the emotional, you know, just dump that they had, of course they're crying, of course they're celebrating. I didn't knock them for, for doing that because not there's every team in the country would have done it. If you're a top five team or a top ten, you could be the number two team and beat OU and, and have that emotional feeling. So uh, I got to get – what were your thoughts? How did you feel? I know you hate Texas. Oh, yeah. I'm scared of you right now just even Should asking be. the question. <laughs> <laughs> well, but go skipping ahead to that celebration, that's what – I mean, they earn the right to be able to celebrate however they want to celebrate. Um, 
And it's, this sounds very egotistical, but it's true. I've never been in a position where we were, um, well, I guess that's not true. During the 2000s, it would have been different if we were beating those bigger teams and uh, we had reason to celebrate. But Coach Gasso would have never allowed us to do that. Right. I mean, that's not what we would have done. She would have, she would literally looked us in the eyes and said, act like you've been here before, whether we had or we hadn't. But um, it's, yeah, they can celebrate however they want to celebrate. It's a big win for them. They played a good game. They they get to do that. Um, but it's not over. So right. that's when you kind of have to take it back a, a step and look at it and say, um, even for OU, like, yeah, we're going to learn from this loss, but um, it's not over. We still have plenty of games left, and the goal is still to, to bring home some rings, and that's what they're going to do. But um, I I was on the train early in the season saying that a loss is not going to hurt them. Right. It would have been fun to um, set new records and be able to do that. But um, any time that they're, you experience a loss, it's just a learning opportunity. And even Coach Gasso said that. Like, they're going to be better for it. I think you literally said that verbatim on the first podcast yeah. that we did, yeah. that a loss isn't going to be catastrophic. Lauren Chamberlain uh, was on the week before you got on the first time, and, and she's, she called it. She was like, they're going to go undefeated. They're going to win a championship. But she also alluded to that it wouldn't be the end of the world if they ended up losing a game. And I think in the last, what, 10, 15 years in the college basketball realm, you know, we've watched Kentucky and Duke and think about these uh, UConn women's team. Like, they, they get to the end, and all their coaches say is, man, I wish they would just lose a conference game. Like, I just want this thing to be over with. And so you wonder if, if Coach Gasso feels a little bit the same. Like, all right, now we're no longer undefeated. Now we can just focus on more of the detail work. It just seems like she's so detail-oriented. Without this undefeated streak kind of, you know, hanging over you, yeah. it's got to yeah. be a little bit easier to approach it. Yeah, and I think I think we've seen it across other sports. You mentioned college basketball, uh, and and not specifically speaking to undefeated, but you look at the the seventy three win Warriors. They talked about throughout the season they were just chasing. Oh, Jordan, that's right. Chasing that's Jordan, right. Chasing Jordan's Bulls and all that, and they didn't even up winning the title that year. I think you ask anybody on that team which is more important to them, being the seventy three win team, or if they would add another ring. And I think they'd all take the ring. Uh, as far as yeah, this team, it's. You know, going undefeated, it's hard. It's supposed to be hard. And I don't think, especially moving forward, I don't think Jennings and Allo's bats are going to be as cold as they were ever again, probably. You're talking about two of the premier hitters uh, really all time when you look at, at, at statistics. And both of them, I think at one point, were combined. I think one for 19, I think, was the last number I saw. Yep. I, I, would, I would be willing to bet a large sum of money that over their next 20 combined at-bats, they combined for more than – than one hit. So, no question. Um, <clears throat> so with that, and then and then touching on the celebration, I, I mean, I, I I came out when Pat Beverly went crazy after they won the play-in game, and everybody's making fun of him. Oh, what they just win the finals? No, they just. I'm not a celebration shamer. When Trey Young was waving by the uh, Cleveland uh, fans, a lot of Browns, Fantastic. a lot of Browns fans, a lot in of that Browns arena fans. too. Yeah, how that's convenient. right. Um, you know, when he's waving by, like, if you don't want them doing these things, then beat them. Yep. Right. Like, and I don't care if Texas were to have a parade. In fact, we should take it as, as a compliment that they went absolutely insane when they beat us. That That's what it means to beat us. Right. So, hopefully, um, hopefully Patty uses that as motivation. And even she had said in interviews, you know, this team needs to face a little more adversity, everything like that. Of course, our ver- our, our definition of adversity was not run ruling a team. Um, because right. we, we had run ruled at 86% of the teams we played. Yeah. So any game that goes past five innings, I joked that they should actually call those extra inning games <laughs> because they actually have to play right. the whole game. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's one of those, you know, 
a lot of a lot of fans saying, "Well, you know, we still won the series, so we're not, you know, mad that we lost anything." I'm like, I don't know. When 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 that last uh, you know out happened, it you guys were all pretty upset. But now we're kind of turned and be like, "Oh, Texas, why are you celebrating? Why are you celebrating?" Like, no, take the compliment. It's a, it's a, it's the it's the highest respect when a team gives a Gatorade bath, you know, in the middle of the season, right? right. After losing a series because they took one game off you. Yeah, yeah that's pretty incredible. I mean, you got to look at it that way. Macy, I'm, I'm curious to know what your evaluation of the team has been so far. Like, obviously, they're not losing games. They lost their very first one here uh, this last weekend. But thoughts on just how they're kind of shaping up in comparison to what they were in the beginning of the season? Yeah, I mean, they're still studs. They still look amazing. They're still rock stars out there. Um, I think that they are going to just continue to grow. Um, I think that they're going to take everything that happened in Texas and go back to Norman and, and work on those things. I think you're right. I don't think we're going to see any more cold bats after this. Right. If it is. And, you know, the numbers always work out. So if you've got a, a batter who's hitting over 500, it's, they're going to be um, – it's, it's going to be lowered. They're going to just see that it just – it's not a winning sport. It's always it's always a losing sport at some point in time. So um, I've always said, like, even with my seven-year-olds, you guys get on these amazing hitting streaks, and I'm like, you know, don't get too high because it's going to humble you. Yeah. And It'll regress thing to the happens. mean at some point. Exactly. They're going to – they have hitting slumps, and I'm like, don't get too low. It's going to come back at some point. It always has a way of working itself out. So um, I really think that they're going to figure it out. I mean, these things just don't have a way of sticking around. And just the competitive nature that I know that, that these girls are, they're going to go back and they're going to fight. They're going to figure it out. They're going to work, 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 work. I mean, Coach Gastos talked about even Aloe and um, Jordy Ball going at it on the field. And she's like, I can't even, like, I wish I could video it and show everybody. But it's just this this um, competitive nature that right. is like, I am going to do whatever it takes to win. And it's not friendly. It's right. not pretty. And I think that that's what, that's what we're going to see from them is that they're going to have – they know what this tastes like, they know what it feels like, and they're not going to want to feel it again. So I think it's going to really change kind of their work ethic and getting those little things right in order that uh, to not let it happen again. There was a, uh, a national championship game. Notre Dame played Alabama. A.J. McCarron was the starting quarterback, and I cannot think of who the kid that played center, played in the NFL a little bit. At the end of that game, though – Alabama had absolutely won it. You know, they had beat the crap out of Notre Dame that day. Yeah. And it was a fourth quarter, maybe three minutes left to go on the clock. And those two guys, the center and the quarterback, got off on a call. And they went back to the huddle, their roommates. And you would have thought that they had just lost that game with that call. They were in each other's face. And I'm yeah. like, what kind of witchcraft is that? <laughs> that you've got players out there at each other when you're up 20 points in a national championship game. The game is over. Notre Dame's not even putting their starters out there anymore. They're done, but you're that dialed into what you're doing. I often look at Coach Gasso's teams and feel that same way. Like, it's got a very Nick Saban-esque. I think it's her and him on top of the coaching world in collegiate sports. Like, it is – they're like little – they're players like mini clones of themselves. Like, they don't know how not to work hard, how not to just give everything. It's not in their DNA. It's amazing. And I think that one thing that even Coach Gasso was going to end up doing is going back, and I'm, I'm sure she puts a lot of the blame on herself also, you know, because she had made different calls. Should they have played small ball more, um, just worked in a way to um, to to get more runs mm-hmm. and to, to produce more runs um, any way possible. So um, I'm sure that she takes a lot of that on herself, but just getting that production – 
um, will be, I'm sure, the main focus. And we, we saw it. Like, we, I just had this, this feeling of um, we may see this happen again. We're going to have this, this um, last inning comeback. And um, we saw Kenzie Hansen hit the, that line shot over a left field fence and bring it back to 4-2. And you just had that feeling like, okay, they're going to do it again. They're yeah, this is normal. Right. do it again. Yeah. And then, um, you know, they weren't able to do it. But they're, um, you can see that they're close. They've just got to figure out how to tie that, that portion together. Yeah, I think uh, I think something that when you when you talk about you know the, the fierce just competition everything and the, the fire that these players have, you mentioned you know Saban and Patty being the, the two best in the sport. Well, when you look at the recruiting rankings, it would certainly reflect that. Absolutely. Um, I mean, and I'm talking I guess pre NIL because obviously you know an A and M fan is probably going to shout, but <clears throat> Alabama has always had the best players. They've had the best players for largely the last. Decade and a half, we'll call Easy. it. Easy, yeah. So, with that, those players, part of what makes them great, it, it's really hard to become a five-star. Really, really hard, right? It's .01% of high school athletes become a five-star. There's only 30 of them. There's 300,000 high school athletes. Part of that, you, in order to get, some people are just God-given. Some people, again, like, like Venables has said, sometimes it's just brownie mix. Sometimes you got to make everything from scratch. Adrian Peterson was going to be a five-star no matter what. Right. But he also worked extremely hard. In order to be these top recruits that OU softball and Alabama football bring in, the work ethic and the fire and the passion and the love of the sport and the love for winning and the, and the absolute disdain for losing, it's embedded in each one of them. And I think a lot of people, since softball recruiting isn't as heavily followed as football recruiting, if you just go back and look, like the casual softball fan, like go back and look at the recruiting rankings and who we brought in and where they were ranked nationally, like – we're absolutely bringing in the best people in the country every single year, like Gatorade, National Gatorade Players of the Year and All-Americans and all this. It's, it's we're getting the top recruits. So in order to get to that level, that's what that's what comes with it. Absolutely. And then Gasso gets that, and she's got a whole team of them. And then, yeah, you talk about just kind of getting into each other. I mean, you've got a lot of alphas out there, yep. which is a good thing. Speaking of alphas, we've got to mention K.J. Kendler and the OU women's gymnastics team. They find a way to win a national title, and you want to talk about an elite-level coach. I mean, K.J. is exceptional in yeah. every single way. Uh, I have the pleasure of spending some time with her and that team a couple of years ago. Uh, I did a training session with them. I mean, I'm talking full warm-up. Balance beam, the whole nine yards. Oh, man. Um, I didn't wear any spandex, thank God. Oh, yeah, I'm sure there's video somewhere oh, this around there. Uh, but that, you know, the level of intensity that goes in each and every practice, each and every move that they make, the way the way the OU women's gymnastic team warm up during a meet. Have you guys seen this? Mm-hmm. Like, they warm up twice as hard as the other team does. Yeah. And the other team will, like, you sit there and watch them in media row, and you're looking at the other team watching OU warm up, and I'm like, this is like, like should we be doing that? This is some mental warfare, yeah, man. Yeah. Like, I love it. You I know, I love it. I think the two best coaches on the campus right now in Norman are women. I think it's KJ Kendler and Patty Gaston. I think it's even close. I think you got to give Mark Williams a shout-out, obviously, for uh, elite-level coaching yeah. there with the men's team. They finished second this year, but I think KJ and Patty are, should be – you're talking about statues. Like, those two deserve a statue. Well, when you talk about even just <clears throat> new coaches on the scene, right? Right. Women's tennis wins the first – uh, Big 12 championship in program history. Crazy. You know, the turnaround of the basketball team, the women's basketball. I mean, I, I, I tweeted out, I was like, is there a better place for women's athletics right now right. than Norman, Oklahoma? I mean, you just go down the list. I think there's five or six programs. I mean, we've got 
even even track and field we've got we've got people setting school program records i mean and we didn't just start these sports right so when you start seeing program records at a place like oklahoma you're like oh okay yeah that, that means something that means for something. sure so so you could really go down the list of just women's programs right now and it's it's absurd i mean it's it's really impressive and and to your point i mean i, I was watching in my living room and it's just the mental fortitude to have your worst showing on floor that you've had all year. You're stepping out of bounds. You're making a lot of careless mistakes and just that are, are, are really not what we're used to seeing from Oklahoma. And then to come out, and I think they had, like, I don't know, 14 nine nines and up the rest of the time or something. Like, I mean, just insane amounts. And then the final beam, which – you know, you got to stick – it seemed like we stuck every single landing down the stretch. Florida is incredible at the floor, and they roll out a perfect 10. The score comes up for a perfect 10 while we're on our last beam. And it almost reminded me, you know, in, in golf, whenever Tiger is coming up and he makes a big putt or something, all the golfers talk about it. You can hear it on the course, and it really messes with you. Right. I mean, to be focused on that beam, knowing that a national championship is on the line and you're the last leg, you're the anchor – and she had she had, had a couple slip ups earlier um, in in that meet, so everything's on her shoulders. She's got the weight of the world, and just just didn't phase her at all. Didn't blink, and yep. just won the national title. Walked off and said, "You can keep your perfect tens on the floor, Florida. We 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 taking <laughs> the natty." Gotcha. Yeah, sorry. It was uh, it's always been a lot of fun, kind of keeping track of sporting events on social media in general. You know, the last fifteen twenty years of. Uh, Facebook and Twitter, and you know, for us older folks, MySpace and all that good stuff. When you, Zanga. yeah, when you uh, when you just kind of watch the fan base, watch their own sports. Well, you Twitter is something special. There's no question about it. If you look at the numbers across the board in collegiate athletics, OU's social media presence is bigger than anybody else's. And when I mean anybody, I'm talking Bama, Ohio State, USC, and it's not close. It's not like there's a close second. I mean, there's a Grand Canyon type gap between OU and everybody else. And when you look at now, because of everything that happened with Lincoln Riley and Venables getting here and the OU softballs run and every, like it just seems like this this family of OU fans is getting bigger and more boisterous and like you can see people setting up little uh, dates for on Sunday. We're going to meet here and I mean yep. I think that the turnout for the spring game is going to be massive. And I really look at social media and what OU Twitter and OU social media accounts have done here lately. And, and you want to talk about bringing people together? It's been amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 really been something special i mean even people that were joining and and really it it was it was really the best place to get your news while everything was was going down too with the coaching changes and everything i mean i remember people coming up i mean tweeting at me or even coming in here or anything like that being like do i get on facebook and read an article do i get on espn they don't know what they're talking about like i was like in order to get the inside stuff it's like twitter's where it's at right if you really want and and the problem is every time these people went to work you know they're their Oklahoma State buddy or their text about, hey, hey, where's your coach? Who are you going to have? Do you hear about Lincoln? And they can't say anything back because they, they, they don't know. They don't know who to believe, you know, right. whatever. So, um, yeah, we definitely grew together through that. Uh, you know, it was it was definitely we got we got dumped. And, you know, it was a little grief counseling. And uh, <laughs> we, we all we all went to grief counseling together and, and came out stronger for it. There's no doubt about that. But, I'm yeah, I'm really looking forward. I hope the, I hope the weather's at least decent Holds enough. Holds up for us, yeah. Yeah, so – We'll see Oklahoma. You know, you, you never know. That's one thing. If you don't like the weather report, it's you know, just wait. It'll change. I'm curious to know what both of you thought of of Coach Venables. I don't want to say he called out the fan base last week, 
I mean, or can you say? Oh, he yeah, kind of called out the fan base absolutely. a little bit. Uh, Hoover's perspective of it, my co-host on Hoover and Mays in the morning here in Tulsa, he was a little bit taken back by it and not necessarily knowing how the OU fan base was going to be to deal with being told to do something. Uh, you're talking about one of the blue blood, you know, fan bases, and, and they have an opinion and they have expectations, and, you know, the fan base significantly bigger than whatever the coach's name is. Like, that's just the reality. If the school is bigger than the co- – everything is bigger. OU is bigger than one man, you know. And so as I sit, sat there and listened to him, I'm like, there you go, coach. But I'm a former athlete. I get pumped up yep. by things like that, and I'm sure you guys did too. Um, thoughts on how the fan base perceived what he said and was the message received? Do we see 50,000 people – you know, this year at the spring game, I'm not sure. I think it's I think it's going to have a great turnout. And I love what he said, but I'm also maybe it's also former athletes. Right. Fans. I mean, I'm the crazy one that goes to OU Texas that's standing and yelling the whole time. That after the game, I'm like, "Ooh, that was right." I have to take nap now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like I just played in that game. Right. Um, and I think that that may be part of it that they're trying to emulate, especially last year's OU Texas, just that crowd that that passion that was that was in the stadium that you could it was palpable and I mean literally I could feel it in my chest and it's if to think that you could replicate that at home is like would be amazing and I think that the problem is um is that you have those fans who have had their tickets forever right. and they're yelling at you for standing up and so there is kind of a call out that needs to happen that it's like People need to show up, not only just for the spring game, but for our home games and, and to be loud. And, um, I mean, it was even retweeted. I don't know if you saw Venables retweeted um, the chant that used to be done, we're going to beat the hell out of you. Oh, yeah. And he's like, this needs to be brought back. And right. I was like, I love it. I love all of it. I mean, mm-hmm. just the, the passion and the fire and the love and the support for the team. Um, I think it's. I, I think it, it will be well received. Now, if it actually comes to fruition and happens, then we'll, we'll, that's another story. But I think they're going to have a great showing. The only thing that could keep it, I think, um, limited is the weather. So, yeah, ob- obviously, weather can t- turn some people away. Quite literally, fair weather fans. Um, I personally think we we go over sixty. Oh wow! Um, personally, but that would be huge. Yeah, and 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 a couple things. That's uh, you brought up kind of the. Um, not only doing it for the spring game, but, but showing that pass and passion and support for the program throughout. We've seen that from the coaches with all the programs. I mean, we've seen Porter Moser show up for, for you know, to Absolutely. welcome home the gymnasts yep. and all this. I mean, they've been at all the events, and they understand that that's very important to support the whole athletic department. Um, and as far as kind of a call to action from Brent Venables, I mean – he could put on Twitter that we're all going to meet in Stillwater and lift Boone Pickens Stadium up, and I bet we'd get it a couple feet off the ground. Yeah. I mean, he could he could do no wrong right now. Yeah. I mean, he is in the perfect, as far as just the PR situation, mm-hmm. I mean, if, you know, you're, you're looking at kind of, if you're, if you're looking at two sides of the coin, you know, we're comparing him to Lincoln, and right. you can't say anything good about Lincoln, right. you know, without look, you know, looking around first. Anything Venables does. I mean, he's saying the right things. He's doing the right things. He's challenging the fans. He's bringing intensity, and that's what you're. When people, especially, see the the practice reports and things like that, it's like in the videos. He's bringing that intensity to the team. It's not an act. Uh, you're hearing it from former players. When we had uh, Dominique Franks on, he was saying, "Man, I didn't think Coach was going to make it to the game. It was a night game, and he was already jacked up at 10 a.m. or something." Right. Like that. He's like, he's like, that's just how he is. And I think, I think with that, and especially the juxtaposition of the kind of the culture it was very finesse um 
Uh, people have called it soft um, back under Lincoln. And when Venables comes in, this is this is the opposite of that, right? It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be loud. It's supposed to be in your face. It's supposed to be schmitty. It's supposed to be hard workouts. Right. It's supposed to be hard, relentless. You know, if has, I mean, everything from his press conference. And I think had it, had we gone out and got Cliff Kingsbury, you know, and it had been offensive to offensive, you know, that uh, – It's not the same vibe. It's not the same no. vibe. For and, sure. And we, we were talking uh, – Dwight Dobbs and I were talking about it. Um, it was like offensive coaches – when when they yell, you don't believe them. When defensive <laughs> yeah. coaches yell, you listen. Like yeah. you believe yeah. them, and right. there are consequences behind those yells. Um, kind of touch on a, a, a little a little tidbit on if the fan base is receiving the the, the Venables kind of call to action, things like that. Uh, Todd Morrison, who's uh, over at Lexus of Tulsa, he's the general sales manager there. He actually saved a video that OU football put up on Instagram of Brett Venables giving a speech at practice. And he then played that. He plays that at his sales meetings, and they break down the whole video in the sales meetings. And he's like, this is the attitude I want you to take. You know, but I, I mean, right. so, I mean, for a guy at a, a, a good dealer, a, a successful dealership, to be using Brett Venables' words in sales meetings, yeah. I think that's kind of an insight into, okay, is, is it really resonating, uh, you know, with the, uh, with the fan base? You know, because I'm, I'm, people who want to be led – are, are easy to lead. You know what I mean? I think when you can get someone's attention, like Venables has got so many, I think those people are, are disciples. They're ready to go. They want to be a part of it. You know, as, as an outsider, I'll tell you this. You know, I played in two Bedlam games in Norman. One of them was essentially for a national title appearance for Oklahoma. We ended up winning that game. The next time we came to Norman in 2003, and if you would have, just based off of my pregame interaction with the fans, if you would have said, hit the pause button and looked at me and said, Sam, how do you feel like this game is going to go? I would have said, they're going to run us out of Norman. Like, that's how infuriated the fans were. We had just beat OU back-to-back seasons. It was the, host- the most hostile game environment I've ever been in. So fast forward 10 years, and now I'm a media member, and I sit up in the, in the, sta- in the press box, you know, where it's closed in my glass, so I can't really get the audio or have an understanding of how much the crowd is having an impact. So... Army comes to town. My dad's a West Point graduate. I'm like, I'm going to go watch this in the crowd because I love that style of offense, and I'm going to sit in the end zone. At the end of that game, West Point was kicking the crap out of OU, like physically dominating them. The score was close, and obviously OU went along to win this game. But I remember sitting there going, what are these people doing? Their team is on offense, and you could, you could hear everything. Like, it was just not loud even a little bit. And so I wonder, you know, Venables is – left Clemson where they get that sucker jumps for four quarters OU fans have got to understand that with his demeanor and attitude what he's talking about is not even necessarily big 12 play like it's going to have to be this wave that ramps up because once you get to the SEC boys and girls that atmosphere it's no joke it is no joke in tailgating it's no joke in the game they absolutely have an impact on what's happening on the football field because they're so loud they're so organized Oklahoma fans have got to take a big step and as far as that in-game action is concerned. I mean, I've been in games before at College Station where I'm looking at the football and i got the right tackle's hand in mine. And I'm standing up and I've got to watch that ball to see when it would snap because I can't hear the quarterback who's standing right next to me. And I watch the ball and I'm pulling my hand. You know what that does to the offense? It kills it because my advantage is gone now. Just defense is moving on that ball and I'm moving on that ball. Well, all these guys are better athletes than I am. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, a crowd can really 
have an impact. And 86,000 people in Oklahoma can have an impact. I think what he is doing is preparing people not only for the spring but for the future because it, it – what, what do they say? It means more. It means more in the SEC. More, yeah. It just right? means more. It just means and that's just yeah. it, right? I well, mean, and I think, to your point, and kind of wrapping up what I was saying, Venables has an incredible advantage coming after Lincoln because do you think that people would be as responsive and excited and just anxious for the season if Bob would have handed the keys over to Brent? Because I don't think so. Right. I think I think we it had need to it. go down the way it did. Yeah, it it had to go down this way. That's awesome. In yeah. order yeah. to have this type of buzz. Yeah. You had to feel disrespected. You yeah. had to feel, you know, a bit embarrassed. You had to feel you had to feel counted out, you know, all this. Like you have to feel that emotional. Like, and, like, yeah, right? it's emotional. The whole time. Yeah, yeah. it's right. just you're, you know, yeah, high 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 emotions and they did make a big hire. Kind of, you know, it's not the big sexy hire that a lot of people see, but we brought on and I I forget his name, but we brought on uh, one of the production guys, that like the head of production from the uh, Las Vegas Knights, the hockey team. Oh, yeah. Uh, we brought him to do game day production for OU football. That's awesome. So, like, and I don't know if you have ever watched one of their games or at least seen some of the pregame. They have, like, it's a, it's full Vegas shows. Yes, before, yeah. like, it is amazing. They're like, hey, we are in Vegas. We yeah. are going to do right. what Vegas does. Big. Full Vegas show. And, like, so, to your point, as far as just stadium experience and game day experience, I think because we always see, you know, the student sections leaving and all this stuff, like, it's like if, if you make the game day experience even better – and just just more entertaining, everything like that. Right. Not, to, I mean, it's plenty entertaining for for people like us. Yeah. But you know, it's it's those fringe, like, okay, right. how do we get those those eight thousand to stay? All right, now they're staying. How do we get them to be loud? Yeah, right. to engage. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. I had the the la- the student section is something that happens everywhere, right? Everybody's students are a little wishy washy. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it two years ago? We were saving Lojack them all. Yeah. Like he had their phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they would get a text when they left the yeah. stadium, like. Yeah. Come back, and I'm like, that's well, and that's why they're talking about moving the the basketball arena closer uh, north, because you know if you're only getting 100 students in, where the heck does it matter where the where it is? So if they move it north of campus, then where most of your people are coming from, right? uh, You know, in the Moore area, Edmond, Oklahoma City, everything like that. Now your six o'clock tip that was empty at tip. Now if you save them 20 minutes on their drive and 20 minutes on their way home. Now you're talking about actually filling a stadium. Right. And people say, again, well, the students have to drive there. Well, you know what? The 100 that we're going are probably still going to drive there. Right. Those are your basketball fans that want to go to the games. Right. Because, I mean, it's not, it's not exactly easily walking distance now. They're driving. I mean, it's, it's not like they won't. So, uh, so now to your point. Yeah, the, the, the students, the low jacket, man, I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you could get away with it in 2022, right. but, oh, man, I'd love that. Well, our uh, Baker Mayfield is one of my favorite players of all time. Same. In any sport. Yeah. He was definitely one of my favorite that I've ever covered. I think he is authentic as it gets. I think the Baker that we see in the media, the Baker we see in the field, the Baker we see walking around the streets, those are all the same guy. And I, for one, appreciate honesty. Uh, from our athletes, like, tell me who you are, you know, yeah. like, I, and, I, and I think he's done that with us. Uh, I'm curious to know on a week that, you know, he's going to be honored in the biggest way. You're talking about a, a statue for someone that's living. I sat down yesterday with Jason White and had this conversation, and, and Jason had an emotional moment on the podcast, and I'm sitting there with goosebumps listening to him describe, you know, what that day meant to him, and then I'm sitting there thinking to myself, 
you know, what Baker Mayfield's time at OU meant to me personally as a media member, you know, covering a Heisman Trophy winner and what that season was like. I mean, people in the media that never even get to sniff a Heisman Trophy winner, I've covered two of them and a runner-up. It's yeah. just been, it's been amazing. But I'm curious from you two, what are your favorite Baker Mayfield moments? Do you have one that really sticks out to you? Uh, I, to me, what I love about Baker is what people hate about Baker, and it's just that emotion, that raw emotion that is so genuine. Right. And a lot of people just can't can't handle it. It's not professional in their eyes or whatever it is. But um, that's the part that I love. That's right. I mean, I see it, the same thing in Jordy Ball. It's I like was just going to mention her, yeah. You see that. that Grit. That, that fire, fire yes. yeah. And um, so, I mean, two of my favorite Baker moments are, are not the um, rest of the world's favorites. It's, it's his crotch, his crotch <laughs> grab in Kansas. Kansas. I love his it. Flag <laughs> planning in uh, At Ohio in Stadium. Ohio. Yeah. Because yeah. um, I think that that's where you really get to see that, you know, the, the determined athlete inside of him that's, that's coming out. I mean, I love the, him going to shake hands, and they wouldn't shake hands with him, and he's like, okay, good. Yeah, yeah you guys stick with basketball. Right. Good and it's, Lord. I love it. I love all of that. I love that the competitor side of it. and um, The bravado. It's, it's awesome. Not, it's not fake. It's, um, that's, it's real. Yeah, and you get to see it, and you, you get to feel that and experience it with him. And um, I'm, I love I'm that you mentioned those, too. That's fantastic. That's and awesome. And I think that part of it for me also is just knowing that backstory of, of – you know, he's always felt like he was um, rejected in, in different roles. And, you know, he, he finally just walks on to OU. And it's, um, I mean, it's it's the Cinderella story. Yeah, it's, I mean, to, to Macy's point, it's, it's the stuff you remember about Baker that's not the big throw, you know, or escaping from the pocket or, or, or whatever, right? You, you remember what makes Baker Baker. I think, right. I think uh, kind of the night – Baker Mayfield was born, if you will, to me, will always be at Tennessee, um, 2015. So uh, he was on the scene. We were down to Tennessee, obviously. And after he runs in the two-point conversion on a keep, and he, and he, and he does the quiet to right. 100,000 <laughs> strong yeah. I Island. Tennessee I mean, yeah. I mean, if they could have gone on the field, I think they would have got, got him. They yeah. would have got him. 100%. So, yeah. But that, to look at 100,000 as – a sophomore who's, you know, just walk on, walk on. Sophomore, obviously, he was a Heisman finalist that year, the next year, and then obviously won it in 2017. But to do that to 100,000 people as a sophomore and then go on to win the game in that dramatic fashion is like – that, that was his arrival to me. And I was like, this is – I'm going to love this guy. So the the other one was – it it was actually with the Browns. And it's not one of Baker's well-known moments or anything. It was just kind of an anecdote that uh, he was with the Browns, and I'll, I'll probably I'll paraphrase it, but he was under center, and one of the you know linebackers something came up to the line. And he's like, you know, Baker, I'm coming for you, and he looked up and said. I don't even know who you are. And then he snapped the ball away. <laughs> like, and, and they said the linemen were laughing on their way back to the huddle. That's and they're like, great. Who this is guy's this a kid? rookie. And he's You're just right. like, who is this kid? Yeah. And, and, and that's what, like, that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, it's, it's bravado and it's cocky, but I, I don't – he's not babysitting for me. Right. You know what I mean? Like, he's, right. he, he's, he's a professional athlete. I want my athletes to have bravado. Right. Like – I, if, if, if you just have a bunch of 
you know, guys that, that, that are too afraid of the moment, don't don't want to make anybody mad, right. you know, all this, then you're not going to win a lot of games that way. 100%. And you're not going to galvanize a lot of locker rooms. Give me ride or die, man. Because that's, what, right that's what they saw early in, in his Cleveland career, right, is everybody was just like, man, this guy's just different. And it wasn't – I mean, Baker doesn't have – he's got a strong arm, he's got a big arm, but not the craziest physical talents. It's never been basic, Baker's physical talents – that have been his best attribute. Right. It's been his leadership. It's been his attitude, his bravado, everything like that. And that's why Cleveland was such a perfect place for him. I mean, he's not going with a front runner. Right. He's going to dig this decrepit franchise out of one and thirty-one hole. The mistake by the take, and take him to the playoffs. Yeah. And so, so all of that is what made him value especially valuable, especially to Cleveland. Now you know they're 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 almighty Cleveland, so they can they can go get Sean. It's amazing but, what's happened there. Yeah, but no, I think the Baker moments. Uh, I think they're going to be similar to to everybody's. It's it's any moment where he was, um, just Himself. sticking it to the yeah. haters. Right. Yeah, yeah, just sticking it to haters. Just Baker. So what just do the, Baker's got to bake? What do we think uh, the trophy or the statue is going to be? Is there a pose that you guys are betting on? Everybody wants the flag plant, yeah. and I think the flag plant would be cool if. They did it with a removable flag, so like they could an just an flag. actual flag would sit in there year round, yeah, and cool. they could replace it. You know, each you know as a parade or whatever like that. I think that would be cool. I had a real. So I'm an Ohio kid. You know, I grew up watching Ohio State football. Uh, that would have been my first choice. They didn't offer me a scholarship, so I I went somewhere else. But I remember being on the field during that game, and being amazed that it went down the way that it did. And Lincoln Riley, I know we hate him now, but good Lord, did he call himself a game that day. He's a great play call, great offensive play caller. Like, Dimitri Flowers had, like, eight catches where I'm like, do you even know he's on the field? Like, how is he that open all the time? That's either here or there. But when Baker, when I got down there, I'm videotaping. I've got my phone out. I saw him grab the flag. And Ohio Stadium to Ohioans is like – I'm sure how you feel about it's Memorial like, Stadium. Like, it's like a... It's a Coliseum in Rome. Yes. I mean, it's, it's very, yeah. Yes, and even the way that it's built, you know, it's just been piled on for years, and you can see the different architecture in it. Like, it's a mecca of football. Ohio in general is like a mecca of football. So when he has that flag in his hand, and I watch him rear back, and I go, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> is he getting ready to do this at Ohio Stadium? Like, is that getting ready? And sure as hell, that boy planted that flag, and... Everybody jumps up and down. I got goosebumps right now thinking about it, but it's such an iconic moment. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if I don't know. I don't think they'll go with the flag plant because it is Ohio State, right? And you know that there's very few teams that look eye to eye with Oklahoma and anything. Uh, so one. Ohio State is one of them. One so of I, I yeah. wonder if you know from a respect standpoint they don't. But if it's not the flag, I don't know what else it would it's be. It's got to be the crotch grab, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Get your Absolutely. Kids pictures taken beside it. Right. Let's go ahead and kick Kansas one more time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah they ain't gonna do anything. That about would it. be my. I mean, my. I would love for it to be the flag plant. I don't think it will be either. So right. I, I think it's the only right answer, right? Because you have to think of the elements that go into the statues, right? Like, the only complaint about the statues right now, and I'm not sure if Jason felt the same way, but to me is, it's awkward to have somebody. Th- like throwing a football or running a football without their helmet on. But you want them to have their face shown face because shown, why yeah. would you – yeah, that's the whole right. point. So it's they're in game action, but they're without a helmet. That's the nice thing about the flag plant too is he doesn't have his helmet, helmet on. on. So you yeah. can naturally get the actual exact pose down. And if Ohio State's mad about it, I'm sure he's planted the flag at Texas. Yeah, Just say, it's, right. just say it's when we <laughs> planted the flag at Texas. I mean, are, are people really going to study and be like, I don't know, this – this arm is a little <laughs> bit higher on the right. flagpole. I don't think. Right. I don't think that. So, and that and that was part of what he kind of talked about too. He's like, well, when we 
win at the Cotton Bowl, we we plant the flag in the yep. in the middle of the Cotton Bowl. He's right. like, that's that's what we do. Like, so when he had to issue some fake apologies and whatnot, but I just I just hope it's not the him hitting the Dougie would be kind of cool too. But that would um, be cool. but <laughs> I, uh, I I just don't want them to do just the classic drop back. Yeah, like, like I think the three of us have all portrayed here that. We love Baker because he's authentic Baker. Yeah. And so I hope it's an authentic Baker right. moment. And that flag plant yeah. is, you will always remember Baker Mayfield in his career, but that singular moment, that flag plant, will be remembered for the rest of the I mean, that will be like the play. I mean, it will be it will be big time. That's what people will remember Absolutely. A, a, about that game. And, and when people talk about Oklahoma, they'll bring up the flag plant 100 years from now. So why not have that included in part of your history? Yeah. You guys killed this. Thank you. I appreciate Our, it. I'm blown away. Like, real professionals. <laughs> like, I feel like I, I need to step up my game when I sit down with you guys. I was going to say something, but I wasn't going to say it on camera. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, I do want to do this again with you guys. I think you're fantastic. Macy, I want to talk to you, obviously, before we get started with the World Series again. And we have that new professional softball league popping up. So, I talked to Lauren Chamberlain a little bit yesterday about getting involved from a media standpoint there. So, maybe we can get it's together and, and do some of that. And, yeah, that's really great. Thank you guys so much. We just need to get some, uh, some better media coverage for them. Get, get them on yeah, TV. We do. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. That's female sports in general. So. No well, and that's question. where I was, I was so bugged with uh, everybody saying, like with Flow TV, how they had the tournament early in the year. And it was OU and UCLA playing. And I'm like, how would a bigger – how would he – I mean, and, and everybody's like, well, ESPN can't play because of the TV contract. I'm like – I get that, but ESPN can just buy that. Like right. they, they right. can get the contracts. Like I'm not, I'm not arguing it day of the game saying ESPN just go grab it real quick. Like I understand they can't legally do that. Schedule. Right. Like you knew OU and UCLA are going to play in that tournament. Yeah. You knew at minimum UCLA was going to play in that tournament. Right. Grab the rights. You'll and and ESPN has been. That's what bugs me is ESPN has been such an ally to the sport. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the commentators; half of them went to OU. Right. And, you know UCLA and ESPN. I mean ESPN employs many former elite level elite softball players and and it it just bugs me because we say something like hey i wish espn would bought this but then a lot of especially the people that work for them now that are in softball they're like hey they're doing everything they can it's like that's why it's disappointing right it's because i expected better i expected you to to not have us pay this you know 30 dollar a month subscription to watch a couple games like just just Televise it over a weekend. Right. Yeah, I'd, like, I'd agree to that. I mean, 40% of athletes are women. Yeah. They get 10% of the coverage. Right. Like, it doesn't make any yeah. sense. I mean, and I'll that, tell you that what, I was going – I mean, we've had a ton of people here. Like, we had people watching OU Texas here over the weekend, like softball games. And then um, we had uh, especially – well, this past World Series we did, but COVID stuff, like occupancy and people being right. weird about stuff. But the one before that, like, we were I – mean, we were a bit as busy as we were during OU football. And it was, I mean, people were losing their mind on it. I mean, people were cheering, going crazy. I was, I mean, I was going nuts in my living room, gymnastics. I mean, so dramatic. Just the, you know, we're in fourth after, we climb, 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 like just going going nuts. So, I mean, there's no reason they shouldn't get more coverage, especially with, I guarantee you, if you just put, you know, somebody who's never watched sports before, between two TVs and you got baseball on one and softball oh, on another. Oh, it's not even close. Softball is a <laughs> yeah. hundred times more exciting than yeah. baseball. Yeah. 100%, 100%. So you're already winning there. Gymnastics would probably say the same, but it's one of those like there, there there's not just like a drop off of of competition or anything like that. I mean, I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it, especially the softball stuff really annoys me. Well, 
I think we have to let you guys go. I could do this all day. And Travis, <laughs> right? I know you oh, could we're do doing this all day. Right. We're doing the podcast. Uh, I'm Sam Mays, along with Mason Turley, Travis Davidson. Thank you guys so much for your time. Thanks, this is it. the yeah. Sam Mays podcast, and uh, we'll see you a few more times this week. It's spring ball week. Got a lot to talk about. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, appreciate buddy. it.